Hi, and welcome to Women at Warp, a Star Trek podcast. Join us on our continuing mission to explore intersectional diversity in infinite combinations. My name is Sue, and thanks for tuning in. With me today are Jara. Meow. <laughs> and our special guest, Heather. I wish my meow was as good, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mine wasn't exceptionally accurate. If I was trying to sound like my cats, it would be meow. Well, Heather, you've been here with us before, but not for a while. So why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us about your history with Star Trek, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, my history is with Star Trek is all over the place. Um, I've, I've done a lot of different things in the Star Trek world. I've done podcasting over at Tricorder Transmissions and Disco Nights podcast um, with Chase Masterson. Right now, I'm focusing on uh, my pet project, which is Fans Give Back. And I just do nice things for other fans in need through that, like collecting memorabilia that people don't want and then sending little uh, trinkets to people who need a lift during this difficult time in our lives. And I hang out on Twitter. I go to STLV. I help manage one of the convention groups on Facebook. So I do a lot of different things. (laughs) My real life job, I, I have a pet care business. And so I've been doing pet care for about 15 years this year, full time. I get to pet dogs and cats for a living, which is what people think I do. It's not quite that easy, but it is a really wonderful job that I'm happy to have had now for 15 years of my own. So it's really great. That's incredible. And you're a perfect guest because today we're going to talk about Star Trek pets. Yay! Yay! But before we do that, we have our standard housekeeping to get to. Our show is made possible by our patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron, you can do so for as little as $1 per month and get some awesome rewards from thanks on social media, up to silly watch long commentaries, and... One of our reward tiers entitles you twice a year to some merch. Everyone at our Warp 5 tier and above on February 1st will receive everything that we produce for Mission Chicago in April. These won't be patron-exclusive items, but they will be limited quantities. And this year, our convention merch celebrates 50 years of Star Trek conventions. We recently revealed the design on our social channels as well as in a public post over on Patreon. So head over to patreon.com slash women at warp and check that out. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash women at warp. I'm very excited about these designs. Are you looking for other podcast merch? Check out our Tee Public store. There are so many designs with new ones being added all the time and so much more than just t-shirts. Find it at tpublic.com slash stores slash women at warp. As I mentioned, today we're talking about Star Trek pets, and this was a patron suggestion from Amy Marie. Thanks, Amy. It's our literal pet project. Yes. I also don't know if you caught sandwiches purring into their microphone just there, but uh, she is also a guest host for today, apparently. We're just uh, really going all in on this theme, is what we're saying. <laughs> yes, the, the pets may be in the podcast. The four puppy mill rescues in the other room may make an appearance. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So let's get started. Amy's suggestion was sort of broad. We'll talk about Star Trek pets. And there are a lot to talk about. We've got uh, several in TNG, TOS. They sort of kind of peter out for a little bit. Then we get some more in, in Voyager. A couple mentions of some in DS9, Enterprise. Well, Enterprise, we have Porthos, of course. But before we talk any big specifics on pets themselves, I want to jump right to the question that came to mind as I started thinking about these pets and their owners, which is every time that we see a character caring for their pet, it's a male character. We're told that Janeway has a dog. We, we sort of meet Aquiel, except not really, and are told that she has a dog, but we don't ever see that relationship. Anytime there's a, a caregiving situation, it's with a male character and their pet. Um, another one that someone on my Ladies Who Track group just pointed out, but again, it's another one, like, one-off kind of thing, um, and we don't see, like, a long-term, like, caregiving relationship implied, is uh, Loaxana's pet vine in Haven. <laughs> She does call it her pet. She does call it her pet. Yeah. (laughs) 
but yeah, they're all just kind of these, you know, short term things and not not as much of a relationship as we see it with say like data and spot i think the one argument you could make against it is hoshi with sluggo Mm -hmm. but even so i think flox is doing the majority of the caretaking in that situation that's true isn't it nice that flox can just take care of everyone and everything i mean is that the the medicine of the future that we don't have specialists we just have (laughs) doctors that can do both (laughs) (laughs) I mean, certainly on Star Trek, we just keep getting, like, doctors that have extra portfolios added from, like, the doctor, you know, doing it because there isn't anyone else on the ship in Voyager to Culber, who treats everyone's health and their mental health. We just assume that they all have multiple degrees. They're all veterinarians. They're all (laughs) surgeons. They're all pediatricians. It's fine. (laughs) Everyone is more impressive in the future. Let's let's be fair. (laughs) We're our best selves. Mm Mm-hmm. But do we think this is just an accidental pattern that Star Trek happened across? Or do you think it's, you know, just the fact that there are so many more male characters uh, until recently? Or is are the writers using it as some sort of device for these characters? Yeah, well, I think it's interesting to look at, like, how it functions in different situations. And maybe we can make a conclusion about that after we look at some examples. um, Because I think there are definitely a few patterns we see in terms of how pets are are used to kind of round out a character. They're they're very largely plot devices. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it almost, like, not every pet is an expendable pet. I think that sometimes pets are used... For really great things um, like Aichaya in Yesteryear in the animated series. Um, I think that's probably one of the most influential uses of a pet I can think of because it leads us into discussion of euthanasia. And and that's something that pet owners deal with very frequently Mm -hmm. um, and that I deal with so frequently in my business because I have, you know, multitudes of pets out there and I'm often in the position of you know, being asked when when is it time, etc. So I feel like in that case, like that was a really great use of a pet. But then it's like we have Livingston. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why why fish? Why Livingston? Oof. Is Livingston supposed to say something about Picard or O'Brien's tarantula Christina? Like what did Christina's <laughs> like what were they trying to get across? <laughs> about I don't know what do you guys think about that (laughs) yeah those are good examples that I I am also not sure I mean I think with Christina it's kind of more just a humor thing because I I Mm -hmm. don't think we see her in more than one episode yeah for sure yeah but I do think they are sometimes used I don't think this applies with Livingston but I think in in a lot of these cases they are used to to show male characters being caring and like mm-hmm. especially those that don't necessarily experience the same level of emotions as standard right. humans in Star Trek. Yeah. I mean with Christina, I guess you could just be like it's like a surprising thing about O'Brien to find out and I think it's surprising that he cares about this creature and then also that it's like just kind of a little weirdo thing to have a tarantula. <laughs> It's a very exotic pet. It's one that I've never taken care of that I can think <laughs> of, but I've taken care of a lot of odd things. But no, but I would. I would jump at the chance. I just, I thought it was funny that they named it Christina, and I wasn't sure if, if it was a joke, because I, I know a lot of people who name their pets, like, human names, what we would consider human names, and mm-hmm. it's, it's always kind of funny to me. When I was younger, I was like, hmm, I don't know if I want to date this guy whose cat is named Amanda. But, I mean, what does that really say other than he likes the name Amanda? Or, you know, who knows? It's I was very judgmental back then. I'm very much more open. But I do like names like Sandwich is better. Um, mm-hmm. That's a better name than Christina. But still, I'm trying to... I guess that, like, in the case of Spot, and I'm thinking about Neelix, which... Can you remind me with Neelix the cat in... Was Did that pop up in Voyager? Or was that TNG? Yeah. That's it's in care. Voyager, and he's named after Neelix. It's after Barkley oh, becomes yeah. obsessed Duh. with Voyager. That is the yeah. dumbest question. Wow. Okay, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been reverse. You never know. You never know. I can't... We've crossed over so much <laughs> in these universes. You know, you never know. 
<laughs> All questions are good. There are no dumb questions. We just, there's there so much go. Star Trek you need a refresh. Neelix, was Neelix a real cat or was Neelix a holographic cat? We oh. are led to believe that Neelix is a real cat. Okay. I but don't I have always kind of suspected that Neelix was a holographic cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I find like you know Data and Barkley are not the same type of character. They're they're I mean Barkley's human, Data's an android. But I know that a lot of fans um, we have a lot of discussion over the coding for these two characters, mm-hmm. um, and you know being neuroatypical perhaps or neurodivergent and establishing like i don't know what do you guys think of of the relationships between these characters and their cats and what that might have been trying to say if anything or do i guess yeah well i'll also just add i would actually add spock into that group too yes. not not necessarily because of ichaya because i think that's more of a childhood pet situation mm-hmm. but um but i think isis who is debatably not a pet because we don't really 100% learn until, you know, the end that they're actually, like, also a woman. Um, but, you know, you have the whole, like, I find myself strangely drawn to it with Spock patting the cat. And uh, so I do think there is something there about, like, Spock's attraction to a cat, uh, to, like, you know, finding that they're drawn to this cat. And I don't mm-hmm. think that it was supposed to be, like, trying to clue you in that it was also secretly a sexy lady. I think it was just supposed to be, like... Spock is into cats. Yeah. Cats are cool. Yeah, I think – I don't think it was intentional, but I do think it tells us something that these three characters who are so often, if not coded, at least interpreted as neurodivergent, are the ones we associate with cats, at least up until Discovery. Mm-hmm. Well, and I guess Archer and Porthos, but like – but with, oh, with cats, yes. With cats. With, yeah. <laughs> Agree. Porthos is not a cat. <laughs> And and we do have this, okay, so, like, there's always these, you know, viral, like, articles that go around that are, like, men who own cats aren't as dateable. <laughs> but, like, women don't want to date men who own cats because they perceive it as feminine. And there's, like, we have all of these bizarre gendered ideas about, like, what pet ownership means. So I think in some ways it's kind of cool that Star Trek bucks the trend specifically on men owning cats because... I, you know, I think it's ridiculous that that people would consider that to be like a sign of like how masculine or feminine (laughs) someone is. Uh And but then also like it does show them kind of showing emotions in a way to a pet, which might be like a safer way of expressing it than expressing like, you know, explicitly expressing caring for another human sometimes. Yeah. Like, Data obviously cares for Spot. And then when, you know, of course, Data does get his emotion chip and cries when he finds out Spot survived the crash. <laughs> oh. So sweet. His eyes were leaking. <laughs> I I don't know where these studies, like, you know, one of the studies we looked at had like 700 women. I mean, what is 700 women in this world? Uh, and why is it like, ugh, I just, I hate that everything is so gendered and that we're we're stuck with these leftover impressions that I hope disappear over time. Uh, you know, so many of my clients are men with cats. And yep. I, I, there's nothing about them that, that sticks out that's any different from women with cats or with non-binary or transgender or anyone else with cats. And I know that for me, like that picture of Spock with Isis is so sexy. Like, oh, send me more pictures of Spock with cats. Um, Or really any any human being that owns a pet and that takes good care of that pet, like that that heightens their attractiveness to me if they're a potential um, partner. I I think that it really – it does highlight like that – ability to care and nurture for someone overall i wish we could throw out these old stereotypes yeah i mean <laughs> definitely wish that we could dispense with with silly gendered bs uh, yeah. 100% and i think i mean i do think there's there's been a shift and i also question like a lot of the times whether these news stories are actually based on like you know, this isn't like peer-reviewed sociological research or something. Right. These are like largely like <laughs> polls that are conducted by like public affairs, like you know, public, you know, mo- internet like monitoring polling firms that are designed to create things to write news stories about. So yeah, or like click tracking on dating sites. Yeah, 
And I mean, just because someone has a pet doesn't mean that they care for other people better than someone who doesn't have a pet. Like, I don't <laughs> want to put, true. yeah, I don't want to put that out there either. But it is really interesting uh, with this, like the lack of women that have pets. When I know so many in Star Trek, when I know so many women in the world and other people that have pets besides men, and yet. As we said, we got like Janeway's dog that she doesn't actually take care of that she's breeding for some reason. Like, are we <laughs> past that in the future? Oh, my gosh. How come none of the pets are spayed and neutered? Yeah. None of them. It makes me angry. <laughs> does does Porthos ever, ever get it on? <laughs> or is it just like Spot that we learn that about? I'm not sure it comes up for Porthos, but Spot obviously gets pregnant yeah but like data also says there are like 12 male cats on board uh, and any of them could be the father so uh, they're not neuter uh, oh my gosh did they never watch the prices right in the <laughs> 90s i mean it's not just population control right you, you yeah. spay and neuter your your pets because it prevents certain cancers mm-hmm also means they don't spray all around your house and, like, tear shit up. They don't run away. They don't howl. But, like, I, I can and have gone on rants about spaying and neutering. But, like, as as a TNR-certified rescue and, like, volunteer person with animal rescues. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't understand it. Spay and neuter your pets. I mean, they, they sometimes seem to have not quite figured out human birth control in Star Trek, so maybe <laughs> they were like, oh man, we can't begin to tackle animal stuff until we figure out whether both people are taking their shots or, or whether it's just one of them. I'm even trying, I think that the dog in Picard was even, maybe, no, maybe he, I'm trying to think if he was neutered because he was a rescue, but I feel like I was really judgmental when I saw pictures because I was specifically looking to see if he had been neutered yet. Um, I assume that he would because it was a pit bull and it was a pit bull rescue yeah. um, that had brought the dog in. Uh, Porthos, of course, was played by mostly female dogs. So, <laughs> you know, nothing there. But it was, I don't know, I was really happy to see number one. And I, you know, I thought it was great that that uh, Patrick Stewart requested to have a pit bull in Picard, although we mm-hmm. see very, very little of the dog, very little yeah. of a relationship between Picard and a dog or Picard and Livingston for that matter. I do wonder about Grudge and Discovery, who I absolutely love and adore, as I love and adore Grudge's relationship with Book and vice versa. I, I wonder if Grudge is really a cat or not. Like, that's the question. Uh, right, what else, right. What else could Grudge be? But I, I'm also interested whether Grudge is fake. <laughs> One of my favorite, like, fan speculation things that started happening every time Book said she's a queen was that, like, she's actually a queen of, like, a cat planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's my favorite. I choose to believe it's canon. I love it. That that would be amazing for me, and my dogs are all going nuts right now. They they heard us talking about number one. They're very they're all puppy meal rescues, and why I don't have any pit bulls, they're all very big proponents of pit bull rescue. So they're they're very excited. <laughs> you know, people sometimes say that like we're watching Star Trek with too critical an eye, but I de- I bet they did not know we were watching to see if the dogs had balls. <laughs> <laughs> taking it too far <laughs> you know you know when you spend when you dedicate your time and yep. your life's blood to rescuing <laughs> these animals which i did american eskimo dog rescue for several years and i no longer do it because it was so taxing and mm-hmm. whether it's rescue work or my actual job compassion fatigue for for pet care in general is a real thing and so we just become very passionate about things like wanting pets spayed and neutered. Um, I I don't think I would ever like not want to have a pet in the future, but I did wonder like, would I bring a pet aboard a starship or a space mm. station? Mm-hmm. Um, and would we have the op- like the advantage of a holographic pet? And how would that holographic pet fill my need of, of needing a an actual animal? 
Uh, and that left me with a lot of questions because like, I, I need my animals for emotional support. They're not emotional support dogs, but they have been through a lot with me. Um, and caring for them helps keep me grounded. Uh, they know when I'm stressed, they comfort me. And so I feel like if I was on a starship, it would be a great benefit to have a pet there with me. But would I want to bring a pet in that situation? It's a really hard question. And I don't know if I'd say yes. I also feel like there are some pets that would do better on a starship that we don't see, um, like reptiles, for example, yeah. except for when Spot turns into a lizard. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I mean, well, okay, Livingston, I think, you know, fish could do yeah. fine. And uh, I mean, as for what, like, Livingston says about Picard, I would argue just like, he's a little bit snotty and aloof. <laughs> <laughs> Who the heck has a lionfish named Livingston? <laughs> Livingston is certainly a pet. But I think for Picard, it's it's more like, you know, those super rich people who have giant aquariums. Yeah, it's like an ornament. It's Yeah, it's an ornament. It's an art piece. He doesn't care about that fish. It's just decorative. Mm -hmm. Or he, like, admires the fish as a life form kind of thing. It's right. like a, a beautiful, <laughs> right. beautiful scientific life form. But the computer is going to feed it. And he doesn't have to clean up the poo. And it's fine. I mean, you know, in the, we've already got like automated litter boxes, automated feeders, automated this, automated that. So I can imagine that pet care in the future will probably be easier and they won't need me. I, I, I don't agree because pets still love people and don't mm. leave your cat alone for five days. It's cruel. Oh, no. Ooh. But like, I get so many clients who are like, oh, yeah, my cat will be fine. He doesn't care. And no, when I show up for those cats, they're always like, oh, hello, stranger. I love you. Be my friend. Pet me. Mm -hmm. So like animals need that love and affection, uh, regardless of what people assume. Well, and also like think about, you know, okay, so if you have a dog on, say, the Enterprise D, like we see those puppies in Alexander's classroom, which I believe I, I made a slightly <laughs> a mean joke about how like, did they just get recycled into the replicator oh. at the end of the class? Because <laughs> like, we never see them again. Mm -hmm. And like, who is taking care of them? But like, think about how much your dog loves to smell the air when they go outside and smell everything. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I guess if there's a whole bunch of other dogs around, but like, you aren't, I guess, letting them just pee on the walls in the corridor on yeah. the way to the holodeck <laughs> to go pee. So maybe like if the holodeck is, you know, has like scent in it as well as like sight and texture, then like maybe your dog is that excited to go to the holodeck to do their business. But like, do you have to book the holodeck every time or? I mean, I assume you have a puppy pad. Yeah, but like then that just seems like mean to me, which I assume is what happens with Porthos because they don't have holodecks is that like Porthos <sighs> is just peeing in a closet like on a puppy pad <laughs> all the time or something. Yeah. But like it just feels like kind of I mean, I know they had dogs on sailing ships, which is I think what they were trying to emulate right. with Porthos. But I would still imagine that you would have more like stuff to do as a dog on a sailing ship. Yeah. And that I always thought that Port that Porthos that a beagle was a weird choice. Like beagles are working dogs, so they have a lot of energy. They need a lot of exercise. They need a lot of stimulation. And they also love to bray, which is like a really loud howly bark thing. And that wouldn't work. Like I guess you gotta put them in soundproof room because imagine all these dogs like howling <laughs> on the starship. Not gonna work. So I, I definitely think we can conclude that the the writers developing all these pets for our Star Trek characters uh, weren't pet people or at least professional pet people or rescue pet people or really <laughs> considered much of this at all. Or just that they didn't take the writing of it that seriously. Like they yeah. were doing it for, you know, novelty or because like, oh, I love my cat. This character should have a cat. Like, but they didn't actually take a lot of time to think through like the world building of pet ownership in the Star Trek universe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we can also see that, like, you know, Brent Spiner likes to tell that story about con at conventions about how someone, you know, would, like, tease him that, like, we were going to do or tricked him into thinking they were going to do a story where Spot could talk. <laughs> and he was just, like, so angry about it because he hated the Spot stories. So I think, like, you know, for the actors, not all of them probably loved pets, working with pets all the time. Oh, no, I I've definitely heard stories that all of the cat actors who played Spot were difficult. I have heard that all of the dogs that played Porthos were difficult. Uh, that is also a stereotype about beagles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, in general. Yeah. I know that 
they've said the dog that plays number one is very sweet, mm-hmm. but like not an actor. It's a rescue yeah. dog. Yep. So that makes working with <laughs> that kind of animal difficult. <laughs> and then Grudge, they have like two different, I think they have a sibling pair of cats, a male and yes. female Grudge. I can't remember their actual names, unfortunately, which I love Maine Coons. They're amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I the only my only f- issue on the on Discovery with the cat is how they're always making comments about the cat's weight, right? which is like okay, first yes. of all, yeah, whatever. I'm not even gonna get into like ways that we like kind of also anthropomorphize animal discussions of weight. Like there are legitimate mm-hmm. discussions to be made about animal health. Yes. But it's a Maine Coon. It's an actual cat that's its normal size. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a big, big cat. And I, oh, yeah, no, no. And it's half fur. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, my cat sandwiches looks pretty chonky. And then whenever she goes to the vet, they're like, no, she's totally normal. She's just half fur. I'm still thinking about replicated pets. That's kind of a horror. <laughs> <laughs> but they were, I think, were the puppies cute puppies? I remember Amanda, the cute, like, did the snappy oh, yeah. fingers with puppies. Yeah. Amanda created puppies. But then there was, I, I think, a separate time that there was just, like, puppy day. It's like <laughs> Alexander's school. school. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's sad because in reality, a lot of people do think that pets are very expendable. Oh my gosh. It's 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 still a, sadly a, a prevalent reality. Um I'm very in in some cases I am sheltered in my profession that most of the people that hire me care a great deal about their animals and take good care of them, you know, and rescue it's absolutely not the case uh <laughs> where you're pulling I mean not always some people do, you know, surrender an animal because of a difficult situation where they really are doing the best thing for the animal and I respect that greatly. Yeah, I've had to uh, accept a couple surrenders, and they're almost always incredibly difficult because there's there's a situation that the the owner can't control, and they want to do the best thing for the animal. But I can also tell you that there are plenty of people who adopt an animal for the summer for a vacation. Or like give it as a Christmas present and don't really think it through. And just and just leave it when they're done or put it outside. Yep. Or, you know, there was so much as as so many cities locked down over the last couple of years, there was so much like feel good news about like, well, the shelters are empty. But like mm. everybody I know who ever volunteers at shelter was like, and they'll be full again in six months when everybody goes back to work. Yep. And what do you know? They were full again with people surrendering their pets because they went back to work. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like the lack of thought that can lend itself to that. Um, and I mean, I guess the fact that like Picard can just, you know, pick up and go on his mission and and seems like utterly unconcerned about the fate of his dog the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got people working the vineyard and like he's got yeah. house staff, you know, he's the yeah. privileged French guy. Somebody will take care of the dog. <laughs> But overall, I think, like, especially Data's dedication to Spot is probably, and, like, Book's dedication to Grudge and, and Archer's to Porthos, those, like, longer-term pet relationships that we see, mm-hmm. I think, are are good examples for how you, like, commit to a pet yeah. when you, you own them. And, like, when, you know, Book puts himself in danger, he he leaves the cat for someone else mm-hmm. to look after. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, and makes a point of doing that. Yes, hire pet sitters. No. <laughs> you can hire your friend too, but don't maybe not someone like Tilly if they really don't want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't force anybody to watch your pets. I always say hire somebody like me because we have a signed contract. And uh, <laughs> I've unfortunately been in the situation of the friends not doing the the care that you know they were supposed to. But mm-hmm. it's it's every, everybody has to go with what they trust. I, I still, I don't know. Would you guys have a pet? If you were on a starship, would you bring your pet? I mean, I would probably bring my cats because they're essentially indoor cats. And I don't mm-hmm. think, I mean, if I had like the size of a quarters that they have on, say, the Enterprise D, <laughs> probably I could only justify one cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But if I had, like, as much space as I do in my apartment, then I don't think that would be a fundamental change in their quality of life. Um, I guess it would just be, like, a what kind of mission are we going on and is it dangerous? Yeah. 
Sue, Sue, what about you? Would you bring? Yeah, I, th- I think I, I'm right along those same lines. I think I totally would have brought Dieter. We no longer have Dieter, our cat, but I think a cat would do really well. Unfortunately, I don't think my dogs, I don't think I could bring a dog. I just don't think it would provide what a dog really needs. I would totally elect for a holographic dog if it were a thing and was similar to the comfort that you could get from a real animal, but I don't know. Yeah, I think it's an excellent point, though, that, I mean, you both brought up. It's not just about what we get from the relationship. It's what serves these animals. Mm-hmm. You know, was the, is a cat going to have enough space? Is a dog going to have enough space? What is their quality of life going to be? Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think, like like so many other hypotheticals we talk about in the Star Trek universe, the the 24th century and other centuries, but just in general <laughs> – the future that Star Trek presents alleviates so many obstacles. That, mm-hmm. You know, you're not paying for pet food. If your cat needs a prescription food, no problem. The replicator can handle it. Uh, if you're stuck at a late shift, you know, the your computer will feed your cat for you. Uh, it can probably even transport your dog to the holodeck for a walk. You know, there's so many issues that can be eliminated. I, I know that I said that like Archer and Porthos are a good example, but I do just want to call Archer out on a couple more things. Stop feeding your dog cheese. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So <laughs> that's one. That's one. Stop feeding your dog cheese. Uh, also the uh, like, let's just take my dog to a bunch of strange planets thing. Like mm-hmm. as much as I was saying that your dog's quality of life might depend on outdoor time, maybe not on a strange planet where it might get sick and then you're going to have to make us all watch an episode like a night in sick bay. Oh. Or cause a diplomatic incident. Yeah, it, well, both of those things. But I mean, I think honestly, the suffering to the audience was greater. <laughs> <laughs> I do, you know, it's I do. I do appreciate Archer's love and adoration. And that he was very concerned and wanted to stay with Porthos mm-hmm. through everything. Like, that's totally me. I've been that person uh, 100%. So I I really think yeah. that that it's a, it, even though maybe not the best episode, like still a, a good loving, uh, like showing some love and, and appreciation for your pet instead of it being expendable. Um, yeah, better, better, yeah, yeah. Like veterinary care in and of itself, that's another financial setback that I think is really Mm -hmm. one of the biggest for people because veterinary care is wildly expensive and very cost prohibitive in cases. Um, And that is often what leaves people with with no choice to to provide Mm -hmm. care for their pets because they just don't have the money to afford it. So I think that would be an amazing luxury, just like universal health care for people. We have universal health care for pets. Uh, and we'd see much happier animals. It's, it's, I can't imagine what that vet stay would have cost for Porthos. <laughs> mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to bring up, just talking like about the issue around gender and pets, which Star Trek also doesn't necessarily reproduce, but is, are, are you familiar with the kind of, I guess, idea, um, which I think a lot of people have as children, actually, that like, all cats are girls and all dogs are boys. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is also a joke in community um, where Pierce <laughs> is like, he thinks all do- dogs are boys and all cats are girls. And Troy's like, there's no way to disprove that. Have you ever seen a cat penis? Oh, God. <laughs> yes, so, I have. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think my sister used to think that when, when she was little um, – so, like, again, it goes with this whole, like, idea that, like, cat ownership is is feminine, but also cats are feminine. And there is, like, a TV trope called female feline male mutt, which is in cartoons often that the um, cats are voiced by women and the dogs are voiced by men. And the dog faces tend to be drawn kind of blockier or narrower and more angular. And cats are like given more like delicate features. And of course, there are exceptions to this, but um, it is kind of this, uh, the stereotype that we have um, on uh, like what gender um, we associate with, with both like on the ownership side and actually like those pets are that that sex um so 
we don't necessarily see that reproduced exactly in Star Trek because we have like spot switches. Uh, <laughs> and uh, well, we, we don't, they don't know what sex spot is at first. And then. Well, spot also sometimes has long hair and sometimes has short hair. Yeah. And I'm convinced that Data is just a bad cat dad. And, mm-hmm. like, it's like Snowball on The Simpsons. Yeah. And it's, like, spot three, spot four. Yeah. Spot <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's, that's good that it's not reproducing that. But I, I guess also part of what I <laughs> wanted to mention is, is, I guess, where some of that stereotyping comes from. And there's there's been like a fair amount of of kind of sociological and historical writing about you know the association of cats with women in history, which goes like way 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 back, um, and you know like partly connects um, to like witches cats as witches familiars. <laughs> um, we have like the stereotype of like crazy cat ladies, but even before that, like cats as as a pet belonging to spinsters. Yeah. Um, and um, there is kind of this idea that it's potentially because cats were, like, more in the home and were seen as, like, more domestic and sensitive than dogs, which clearly people had not met dogs because <laughs> dogs are can be very, very sensitive. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, like, and cats are more neurotic, like, women, I guess. Um, so we have, like, all of these oh. kind of stereotypes that are ascribed to cats and then, like, connected to women uh, which is really weird. And I think some, t- like, some of it, you know, obviously I think there's been some reclamation around, like, people, you know, proclaiming themselves crazy, proud crazy cat ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, some of them, I think, you know, people wouldn't necessarily say anymore, like, cats are neurotic just like women. Um, <laughs> but, like, it is interesting that there's kind of some of these stereotypes and tropes that persist and these associations with, like, cats are girls and dogs are boys and women own cats and men own dogs um, that, like, still persist. It's kind of interesting because when I think about the – what I perceive as the current stereotypes of cats and dogs, it's that cats are aloof and independent and don't really yeah. care about you. Mm-hmm. And dogs are, like, very loyal and loud. And best friends. And <laughs> yeah, best friends, sidekick – but those don't seem to align with the current stereotypes of feminine and masculine traits. No. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, like, the the masculine power stereotype of, like, the, the up-and-coming guy in the workplace is the, like, aloof, uninterested in you business cat, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And, like, girlfriends are depicted as, like, the, like a golden retriever. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Bubbly, but then there is also an idea and... of like you can tell a dog what to do, but like a cat's not going to listen to what you have to say. Well, <laughs> the cat'll listen; it just might Doesn't not care. care. <laughs> <laughs> but even even those stereotypes of uh, cats, anyway, I'm not as familiar with dogs or haven't been since I was a kid, aren't true. Like cats yeah. love you. And there's, like, a wide range on both sides of dogs and cats, just like genders. Absolutely. (laughs) I think a lot of the stereotypes come from people who are familiar with dogs interacting with cats and expecting them to react the same way. They're different animals, and Mm -hmm. they don't react the same way. It's like we assume that because they're all domesticated, they're all the same, and they're all good with people, and that's it. Uh And that's just not true at all. I tell everyone, I tell my clients and friends to throw the the breed stereotypes out the window. Like, yes, in some respects, you can, like, you know, pit bulls have a terrible reputation, etc. But you you need to go on an individual basis because we know it's it's not – just genetics it's not just nurture it's it, they're both are involved with individual animals just like individual people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i see similar stuff with parrots and oh well do i get a, a hand-fed parrot's gonna be a nicer parrot versus a wild-caught parrot which you should not ever have a wild-caught parrot as a pet i'm not even a big proponent of having parrots as pets even though there's one five feet away from me in the other room um but you know ultimately i i I hope that we in the future move past all these dumb gender stereotypes. Uh, maybe we can adopt uh, the the tribble, like we see pets <laughs> as tribbles, and they they have no gender. They can reproduce. 
um, or they're non-binary. I don't know, but I just hope we drop all of this, even when it comes to words that we use to describe women, which I won't mm-hmm. say on the podcast, but yep. which are used. And I, even now, even in queer culture, like the, the use of the B word is wildly accepted and used and, and used in empowering ways. But at the same time, it does bother me, like how prevalent that word is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let's just get past <laughs> I hope that that we move past that kind of stuff but I think it is you know ingrained in culture and, and will slowly slowly be weeded out I hope um because they they're just the the stereotypes that we use in the gendered way that we think of pets and even like with dogs my little dogs are always girls even though two are boys like they're they're always always um Little dogs are feminine. Big dogs are masculine. Mm-hmm. Like, we just need yep. to throw it all out because it's just all outdated nonsense. <laughs> and it's it's kind of bananas how, like, deeply ingrained that stuff is because I have actually on occasion caught myself apologizing to my cats by calling them the <laughs> wrong kind of gender nicknames. And I'm like, okay, they don't actually have gender. Yeah. Like, they're actually yeah. just cats. Yeah. Um, They're also, like, fixed. So they have sex, but, like, they don't actively manifest that in their day-to-day lives um so like to apologize for like calling sandwiches like my buddy instead of like what i would normally call her is ludicrous but i still sometimes do it and then i'm like what what are you doing (laughs) what blows my mind is whenever i see people quote misgendering an animal and then the owner corrects them the person who didn't know is always so apologetic. Yeah. Falling over <laughs> sideways and backwards and doing backflips to apologize for using the wrong pronoun for an animal that literally can't even care about it. Like maybe just focus a little bit more of that on misgendering humans. Exactly. Yeah. I wonder how many of these people would feel as badly if they misgendered a human and were called out on it. They'd probably actually just get defensive and yell. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Did you want to talk about Tendi's dog, uh, Sue? Oh, yeah. I just, I thought about that one as we were speaking and then wondering, is Tendi's, is the dog, capital T, a pet? (laughs) I think it starts out that way before you know that it is also like has a is definitely sentient. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't I don't know what happens to I don't remember like the end of that episode and if we It goes we, to live on the planet of weird things. Oh right, right. Yeah. That, with that weird episode. <laughs> I think it's hilarious, the whole, like, Tendi doesn't actually know what a dog is and thinks great. this is what a dog is. And, yeah. yeah. It was great. And I love that it was Tendi, because, and I just, Tendi's so enthusiastic about everything. She's just the best. Do we have any pet wishes for future treks? Maybe answer the whole spaying and neutering thing. Like, just have someone mention, like, uh, yeah, we yeah. got the cat neutered. Just mention it so we know it's happening. <laughs> I don't know what was going on on the Enterprise D. Maybe they got <laughs> feral cat colonies under control in the future. <laughs> but, like, damn. <laughs> it is one of, you know, I don't know what we'll ever see from Star Trek about pets. I do appreciate that in Discovery Book had a carrier for Grudge. Um mm-hmm. Like, that's a good thing. I like seeing seeing positive elements of, you know, good pet care is probably the most that we're ever going to see. Should we see more animals? Um, which is why it's so important to have discussions like this. I feel like we've spent a lot of our time mostly with cats and dogs, with our, mm-hmm. our common mm-hmm. domesticated animals. There are some less common ones in Star Trek. Uh, if we want to bring up any of those really quickly. Or I was also thinking, do we want to hop back to the animated series and talk about Ichaya. Yeah, Ichaya is great. I mean, I guess just some of the other weird, like weirder examples we see is like Phlox's bat, which is great. <laughs> and uh, Worf also, I think, talks about having a pet kind of... A targ. A targ. Yes, pet yeah. targ. Thank you. Yep. And there's uh, a lapling, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like a plant creature in the most toys. Plants are the new pets, I just have to say. Like, I don't yeah. have very many because I have too many commitments of things to keep alive already. But we are seeing a, a plant boom right now. And I think that plants make great pets 
if an animal or, you know, other is too much for you. Should we have put Keiko on this list as a pet owner to discuss? <laughs> yeah, more more plant owners. I'm cool with that. Uh, and uh, I mean, we did also have that the pet in the original series that like is the like the Venus flytrap type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Sulu's thing, right? Yes. I did. I was doing some Star Trek pets research. And in one article I came across, they they referred to the tardigrade as Lorca's pet. And while oh, yeah. Lorca may have thought that, no, that was not no. a pet. That was a hostage. That was animal abuse. Like, let's yeah. leave that there. Yeah. That was a captive. Yeah, yeah. That was just, no, that was not a pet. That really upset me. Oh, <laughs> that was uh, really hard to see that type of animal abuse in Star mm-hmm. Trek in the future. But again, you know, we have to know that these that kind of stuff still exists so that we can say, no, it's bad and still fight against it, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think it would be cool if we saw that, like, someone on the on a ship was, like, keeping, like, a beehive. Ooh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Like, um, especially, you know, like, on Voyager and stuff, we had, um, like, hydroponics and, like, having, like, mm-hmm. on-ship on food production, which I think is actually a cool idea, even though we have replicators. Um, they always do say that, like, other things taste better <laughs> and we're growing plants. So, like, you could raise bees. That could be yeah. cool. It yeah. would be nice to know that bees make it to the future. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, it would. Sorry, I just started thinking very passionately about bees. So <laughs> we also haven't mentioned tribbles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they start out as pets and then become vermin. Yeah, well. And then become food. I think yeah. they're food first. Oh, yeah, I know. I was going chronologically <laughs> in production, not in, oh. uh, <laughs> in universe. Yeah. <laughs> It, it seemed like a great pet for Ohura, and I love I love seeing her with her little tribble and just in love with it, because that's me with every animal. Mm-hmm. But probably not the, again, like spay and neuter, I guess. I don't know <laughs> if you could. Spay and neuter your tribbles? I'm not sure how tribble biology Aren't works. I'm led to think that, that Lorca's tribble is, is, like, fixed or is not procreating. And I think we see a tribble also in, like, current season Discovery that we just do. is, like... Yeah, so I think there's an implication that we've, like, managed yes. to f- find a way to have them not just be menacing yes. pests. My thought specifically when I saw that Tribble was they must be spayed and neutered now. Like, because there's no <laughs> other way. There's no other way. But that's before TOS. Which makes... No, but it's current season Discovery, so it's in the right. future. Oh, in the yes. future, yeah. But I yeah. mean, when Lorca had it. That was yeah. a, a pre-TOS Tribble. We can assume that Lorca was doing things to his Tribble. And... I always assumed it was a mirror universe yeah. situation. Mm. Uh, yeah. Lorca. <laughs> but I think that, that fixed Tribbles would be a great pet. Yeah. Mm. I mean, they might eat a lot still, but I don't know if they have to eat as much if they're not reproducing like that. Hopefully not. That'd be a lot of energy. But I do just want to uh, mention... Or shout out rather DC Fontana as the writer of yesteryear, where we we meet Aichaya, and she has had specifically said in interviews that she wanted to portray the death of a pet, and even though they didn't like necessarily target the animated series as at kids, it definitely aired on Saturday mornings, and there were more kids watching than usual. So for a lot of viewers young viewers that was probably their first introduction to something like that and it's it's showing us as a child and as an adult because adult spock is upset as well that it's okay to grieve the loss of a pet yeah it's a super powerful episode i i mean i would i would still show it to kids and adults today because that I think that we are very very lucky that we have the option of making that choice for our animals and hopefully in the future as people um I know we've got a well let's hold the rabbit hole when it comes to people regardless I I think people struggle in a variety of ways with death um, and with pet death and especially with making that decision it's mm-hmm. not an easy decision to make I've had clients who have prolonged the lives of their animals while their animals suffered. And that is a decision that, that I think people make for themselves without just being able to let go, being able to really see what their pet is going through. I don't want to shame anybody. Like that's this all comes down to a personal experience. But I think that the more stories we see about the, the process and giving an animal peace 
um, the better that can help people feel good about making that decision. Because for me, it's the hardest decision I ever make. It doesn't matter the, the pet or the animal. It's just, it's, you're taking that responsibility. I take a lot of peace in knowing that, that I'm giving them a, a peaceful passage with me there. I will sideline this really quick and say that when you put your pet to sleep, please be with your pet. Your mm-hmm. pet will look for you. Your pet needs you there. PSA. Sorry. It's something that I know people really struggle with, but it is so important to that animal to see you. Something that yeah. I think, think about a lot is like becoming some kind of like pet grief counselor or something <laughs> to help. So it's just, it's, it's something that we don't see. Like what we got old yeller where the dog gets shot. <laughs> it's 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 a subject that we don't see in a lot of media and that we should definitely see more of and i really appreciate that dorothy took that opportunity to write that story because it's an evergreen story that's still relevant today Mm -hmm. yep agreed i think you know even though i don't think that having pets is the same thing as having children. I think that like losing a pet is one of the most significant losses that we go through in our lives. And um, it, it should be treated seriously. And, you know, and also, it is something that kids feel really strongly. Um, And so I, I think it's a really powerful episode, but also shows the power of like, you know, memory of that beloved mm-hmm. pet. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I think that that is like, it's ultimately, a sad episode, but it's also a, a hopeful episode and shows, you know, why it's worth continuing to invest our love for animals. Oh, yeah, that's one of the hardest things that I deal with hearing from clients when a pet passes is that they don't think they'll get another pet. And I, I don't identify with it because I need pets in my life. But it, it breaks my heart because I just I don't don't, you know, I know it hurts. But I just, ah! You don't need to do it super quickly, but like, it's like any loss that we go through that it takes, sometimes it takes time to like get into a place Mm -hmm. where you're ready to open up to loving another pet, but um, it's definitely worth doing. I think so, for sure. I'm trying to get to a place where I can say this without breaking down. (laughs) Their lives are so much shorter than ours so that we can help as many of them as possible. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, you know, sometimes when I'm having a bad day personally, I just think that, like, if my purpose in life is to make a couple of cats at a time very exceptionally happy and spoiled for, like, the rest of my life, then I am doing pretty okay. <laughs> I have had the same exact thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, yeah, and ultimately, like, I really encourage people to rescue your animals Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many, even from my, the puppy mill rescue where these dogs have lived in cages for their whole lives, the dogs, <clears throat> excuse me, that I've adopted have all been just wonderful and loving. And there's just so much out there. There's so much opportunity for, for your own personal growth through animal ownership. Like, yeah. And like, you know, don't adopt a pet that, that you aren't ready to take care of. Yeah. Um, you know, like if you've never owned a pet before, um, adopting a special needs cat without knowing or a special needs pet without knowing Ooh. what you're getting into might not oh, be the best no, idea. Don't do that. Yeah. But, <laughs> but like, there are, you know, patients can pay off with a lot of animals. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that, that like, it, when they feel that they can trust you and open up to you, um, then you can have a really beautiful relationship. And there are like a lot of animals that might seem like a little bit standoffish at first, um, mm-hmm. because of their background, and being scared of you, but like, can open up and be super loving companions. Yeah. Animals can teach you a lot about trauma and how we process trauma and how the body processes trauma as well. Um, there's so there's just so much wealth from having pets in our lives. Yeah, just like putting everything in perspective, like, you know, just realizing that, you know, my pets are not preoccupied by the same kinds of like worries and concerns that I am on a <laughs> daily basis. And sometimes I can just be a little bit more cat and just be okay being where I am right now. Mm-hmm. I am regularly amazed and even inspired by my special needs cat. Because mm-hmm. uh, she was abused. Like, nearly didn't survive uh, when she was very young. And this cat loves people. 
She runs to the door when the doorbell rings. She wants to go out and explore. She's so adventurous. Nothing ever stops her. And to have that kind of trauma inflicted by people and still be so excited at the idea of, like, hanging out with new people, that is something that is yeah. – I don't know. I don't, I don't think that as a human I could do that. But this cat is incredible. Do I sound ridiculous? I feel no, ridiculous. No, not at all. No. I also know people who have like super rewarding experiences adopting like senior dogs. Mm-hmm. And because um, I know like senior animals are animals that often uh, struggle to find adoptions as well as like, you know, black cats, weirdly tortoiseshell yeah. cats. Um, like don't definitely find an animal that fits the amount of like time and energy you're able to put into the relationship with it. Um, but don't stress too much about the appearance. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah just do the, do your research like you would when you do you know buy buy anything but this is a life and you're responsible for it don't just think you can snap it into existence and snap it out again <laughs> yeah that's not how it works but sue no you don't sound crazy at all I, I see the same thing with my rescue dogs with dogs i take care of with dogs i get to know i don't know the relationships that i've developed with animals that i've cared for many for their entire lives. Like I don't forget these animals. I I don't forget my life experience with them. I don't forget what they've taught me and given me. And I know that because these animals can be so resilient that I can be that resilient too. Well I didn't expect to cry on tonight's podcast. <laughs> Generally, I know we're sort of out of the Star Trek realm right now, but if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're considering adopting an animal as I mentioned before, I volunteer with a local rescue. If you are looking for a reputable rescue, if you have questions, if there's anything I can do to help you, reach out and I'd be happy to answer your questions or point you in the right direction. I'm willing to bet uh, that Heather would agree with that statement. Yes, I will do anything I can to help somebody get a pet that they will love forever. Can also suggest a variety of Star Trek characters to name your pets after if uh, you're looking for that. Yes. But to try to bring it back around and tie it all up in a nice bow, any final thoughts on on pet ownership in Star Trek? What it says about our characters, what it says about our writers, what it says about our future? Mm, I think it says that any human has the capacity to have a meaningful relationship with a pet and to give to that pet and, and receive in return something valuable and I think that it shows that largely they're they're not thought through exceptionally much by the writers. <laughs> but overall, I think we like to see them. I just stand by spay and neuter your pets. <laughs> also, Ractagina would make a great Star Trek mm. pet name. Just saying. Oh, that's cat, really... Cat named Ractagino. I love it. Yeah. I think the prevalence of pets that we see in the Star Trek future tells us that no matter how far we think we can advance, that there is something special about that relationship and that bond that is not going to be replaced by technology or holograms or the internet or what have you, that mm-hmm. that is going to remain a a special thing between people and animals. I will gladly apply to be the starship's pet sitter. (laughs) Just call on me. I'll watch your pet. All right. Well, I think that's going to about do it for us today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this fun episode. I really enjoyed it. Heather, where can people find you on the internet? I spend most of my time uh, when I'm online on Twitter. I'm at Bathlet. I don't even know my name. At Batleth, babe. So find me there. And seriously, if you have any questions about just about any animal as a pet, feel free to reach out to me because it's what I do for a living and what I've done my whole life. So I'm happy to help. And Jarrah? You can find me on Twitter at Jarrah Penguin. That's J-A-R-R-A-H Penguin. And you can tweet at me there or you can even tweet at my cat, Sandwich is an Odo. I can't promise they'll understand it, but I will read it to them. And don't they have an Instagram account? Oh, yes. Uh, sandwiches <laughs> and friends on Instagram. It's at sandwiches and friends. All right. I'm Sue. You can find me on Twitter at Spaltor, S-P-A-L-T-O-R. 
like I said, if there's any way I can answer questions or help and however, uh, in, in pet adoption, hit me up. I'm there. I'm available. And, uh, you can follow my cats on Instagram <laughs> noodle bean potato. Noodle bean potato. They make a great soup. <laughs> to learn more about our show, contact us or send us pictures of your pets. Visit womenatwarp.com, email us at crew at womenatwarp.com, or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Women at Warp. Thanks so much for listening. 